The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, we're back, and I'm glad you are listening. We've got a huge week uh, coming up. Of course, the return of Arrogate in the Pacific Classic is going to be the the biggest news. Uh, Was that just a Dubai bounce, or... um, you know, is he uh, not the the super horse everybody said he was? Bob Baffert's pretty confident that you just got to put a line through the San Diego handicap. Of course, uh, happy to line up against him in the Million Dollar TVG Pacific Classic are the horses that ran first and second in the San Diego handicap, and that would be Accelerate and Donworth. Uh, Collected is also going to be in there coming off a huge 14-length win in the grade three precisionist. It was a grade three, but my God, the way he won it was unbelievable. And yes, trained by none other than Bob Baffert. So it could be a Baffert uh, exacted. Collected now has 10 starts and seven victories. So anyhow, those are the races from Del Mar that we're going to look at. Of course, the TVG Pacific Classic. Then the Del Mar Oaks that has a 14 Philly field that's very interesting because all but two have never raced at the distance. And then uh, the uh, Del Mar Handicap, only two have won at the distance, a mile and three-eighths on the turf. To help us with those races is our man on the scene out on the West Coast, the Blood Horses, Jeremy Balin. He's going to help us out. And then we're going to do some more capping in the uh, second segment of the show with a very interesting individual. I've known him for many a year. He's a first-time starter on Winning Ponies. His name is Jimmy McNerney, and he stays pretty busy whether he's uh, calling races at Ellis Park or Turfway Park, because in addition to being a track announcer, um, he has also been a jockey agent for many, many years. So we'll get into uh, you know the, the jockey agent side of it, uh, if there's any conflicts, uh, how many states he can have riders in. I think he's got riders in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll try to find out that, but he's really had uh, you know just some really top jockeys including at some one point Deshaun Parker, uh, Leandro Gonzalez. The important thing is it's the two big juvenile races down at Ellis Park. It's the Ellis Park debutante and the Ellis Park juvenile and uh, as Jenny Reese said in the release today, Kenny McPeak has one bombastic dynamic duo in these races, Kenny could easily take uh, both of them. In the Ellis Park Juvenile, Kenny has Sunny Skies, who won the debutante easily at Churchill Downs. So she's a stakes winner with a nice buyer. And then a horse that I got to see run his first race. The horse's name was Ten City. I was up uh, in the press box at Keeneland looking down and watched this race. And it was uh, uh, two-year-old and we just said oh my god this horse is unbelievable because he just won so easy with Robbie Alvarado in the saddle and I happened to run into Kenny a day or two later and I said hey Kenny what's what's the deal on 10 City he said John it's scary 
It's the fastest horse I ever had. So uh, two really good juvenile races. We'll see who else uh, Jimmy McNerney likes down there uh, at Ellis Park. Of course, uh, we will review the Arlington races that we went over with Amarty McGee. But since we will be out at Del Mar, I want to tell you that uh, the Easy Wind Forms had a good week out at Del Mar. And believe me, you're going to need it with some of these huge fields, which is so nice to see in these graded races. I'm tired of seeing a half a dozen horses going to post in graded stakes races. Well, out at uh, Del Mar, it was uh, a week ago, uh, $1 super through the Easy Wind Forms uh, paid $2,780. And just yesterday, we had a $1 Super 5 box that paid $2,456. Of course, we do play uh, races from all over the, over the country and uh, the uh, some of the other places where we made scores this week. Uh, Mountaineer, these are, these are just our biggest scores. Of course, we score on every level, but we'd like to highlight these big payoffs. Uh, Mountaineer. Uh, we had a, a fifty cent super high five that paid two thousand six forty six, and down in Cajun country, Evangeline a fifty cent super five that paid two thousand eight hundred and twenty one dollars. So, pull them down. You're going to need them. And one race I do believe you are going to need them for is a race that uh, is going to be run at Saratoga. I know we've been looking at a lot of races, but we're going to be handicapping it at Del Mar and the Pea Patch this week is the grade one Alabama, just an amazingly classic uh, race. And uh, this is going to be very interesting. The question is, is this going to be the rematch of the Mother Goose or the rematch of the coaching club's Oaks? Um, in the in the Mother Goose, it was Unchained Melody besting Lockdown, one, two, and they are back in the field. But remember, those races were at Belmont Park, but since then, both horses have been training very, very well at Saratoga. Lockdown trained by Billy Mott and Unchained Melody trained by Brian Lynch. And then, of course, the coaching club, American Oaks, grade one. These are horses that uh, already have had a trip over the track in the Oaks, and uh, I'm sure that their trainers were so glad to see when they picked up the overnight that Abel Tasman wasn't going in the race. Of course, Abel Tasman uh, got up by a head over Elate, who will be in the Alabama Jose Ortiz, of course, the Ortiz brothers are tearing it up at Saratoga, uh, will be back in the saddle. Again, he only missed by a head and back to third. It was a horse a lot of people were touting going into the uh, Kentucky Oaks, and that is Salty, who ran a game second in the grade one acorn, third in the coaching club American Oaks. Uh, but there are some other very, very uh, promising uh, horses coming up in the Alabama. Again, uh, this race will be at a mile and a quarter for three-year-old fillies. And uh, so, you know, somebody, a, a good stretch runner, as long as he gets a setup, she gets a setup, uh, could jump up in here. Uh, you've got uh, James Service has this uh, uh, Delaware Oaks horse that just missed by a half length of Tis Well called Actress. And um, uh, uh, it Tis Well, the winner of that race is also in here. So uh, you got 
two good horses coming out of the Delaware Oak. So pull down the easy win forms. You're going to need it for the Alabama. It's it's just a classic race for Phillies, and and hopefully you can cash a good ticket. Now you just heard of some of the talent I laid out there. Well, uh, Arrowgate is sitting on go. Um, just the other day he uh, had his. Uh, Final work for the Pacific Classic, four furlongs and 47.60. Galloped out five furlongs in a minute flat. So he doesn't seem like uh, he's got any kind of hitch in his uh, get-along. Um, so according to Mike Smith, who uh, watched the worst works, and Martin Garcia works the horse uh, for Baffert, uh, said, he, boy, he sure looked good to me. So again, uh, the Pacific Classic is a Breeders' Cup win and you're in for uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, trainer David Whitley, sadly, has passed away at the age of 73. Uh, after serving as an assistant uh, to his f- father, the well-known David Whitley, went out on his own in 1970. Uh, he trained Coastal to win the Belmont Stakes, who beat who spectacular bid in that race. He also uh, conditioned uh, three champions, uh, Revedere, the three-year-old Philly champion in 76, Weya, champion older female, and the 1980 champion turf female, just a game. So uh, uh, quite a, a trainer he was, and uh, he will sorely be missed by the sport. So just an excellent horseman. Now, how about this? Want to buy a horse? Why don't you go down to Keeneland in November? Lady Eli will be offered for sale. A five-time grade one winner going up for sale. Of course, everybody knows her great comeback story, um, which just showed the the heart and the guts that she's got. And uh, she's coming off uh, back-to-back grade one turf wins in the Diana Stakes at Saratoga, uh, Gainley Stakes at Santa Anita. Uh, She's won at least one grade one race in each of her four seasons. So uh, she's a daughter of Divine Park, not the best-known stallion, but let me tell you, she wrote her own pedigree page. Don't worry about that. So uh, Lady Eli up for sale there. And uh, speaking of a well-bred horses, uh, how about California Chrome's full sister, uh, one at uh, Delmar? It was a maiden race uh, for California-bred fillies, but uh, she came on and uh, won pretty good. Uh, she settled on the inside and came back and, and got up and win. So at least, you know, California Chrome's got, got a sister out there that's going to be a winner, Uh uh, Kristen Mohall took over from uh, Doug O'Neill to uh, train the horse. I guess she's a little bit of a mental case from what I hear. Uh, she gets real nervous, so you got to be careful around her. But obviously, it's good to see that she finally got her win. Also getting win, a horse that's no longer anonymous, Anonymity. Anonymity is a full sister to Hanson, uh, the two-year-old cult and two-year-old champion who won over $1.8 million. Believe it or not, full sister to Hanson gets away at 9-1, to one, and she's from the barn of Richard Mandela. That is pretty hard to believe. And hey, if you want to go see the solar eclipse that's coming on Monday, you can go down to uh, Kentucky Downs. Uh, their uh, admission to the to the parking lot there. I guess uh, they're going to be in the main path of the eclipse's uh, totality. Uh, now bring your own glasses because they're out of glasses. They don't have any more. So uh, from Oregon to South Carolina, 70 miles wide, uh, the moon's going to pass uh, uh, through, and uh, it should be very interesting. So remember, if you are going there, bring your own glasses. All right, I want to thank my friend and Eclipse Award-winning writer Marty McGee for for joining us last week. I hope you got a chance to watch the Arlington Million because guess who didn't? 
a guy by the name of Chad Brown, who was so busy at Saratoga, he couldn't get to Chicago. And from what I understand, he missed the million. He said, you know, no knock on the race, but I just had so much going on. I forgot when it was on or I couldn't get to a TV. Either way, what a race. What a finish this turned out to be. Beach Patrol with Joel Rosario. What a great ride. Uh, Beach Patrol, you know, we uh, it was with the pace all the way and then got headed in the lane uh, by a fanciful angel and Irish bread and dug in. I mean, Rosario gave up just a fantastic ride and uh, got up for the win over fanciful angel. And in the third spot was another Irish bread, uh, the horse who was favored, uh, Duville, uh, who slipped through on the rail and was one of those horses that uh, was challenging Beach Patrol every way. So hope you got to watch the Arlington Million. If not, go back and find it. You owe it to yourself if you're a racing fan. Okay, how about the Beverly D? Chad Brown couldn't make it. He wins it for the third straight time, and it's his fourth overall uh, Beverly D win. Unbelievable for Chad Brown. Uh, he got it with Dacita, a horse who was bred in Chile. Uh, Iran Ortiz, who's the regular rider, came in to ride. Uh, this horse had been getting beat by Hawksmoor, but it did not happen in the $600,000 uh, Beverly D. In the second spot, it was a dead heat uh, for second, and uh, that was uh, between, uh, let's see, uh, Donna Brujo and Grand Jette. So that was the Beverly D. Then um, another race that we looked at with Marty McGee was the uh, Secretariat. This one came up a little short in the field. Um, the, the winner, though, was Oscar Performance. We were wondering if those uncontested leads uh, in his last two races uh, were you know, kind of a tell, but no, went off at three to two stock, took the lead in the stretch and got the job done over Taj Mahal, sent away at seven to one in the third spot was a horse. A lot of people liked uh, uh, coming in from Europe and that was Affidam, a French bread. Okay. Well, that was a look at the big races from Arlington and some of the news from last week. Right now we're getting ready to go down to the pea patch with a guy who's got a very interesting background. He's a Renaissance man in racing. The one and only Jimmy McNerney. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I read his resume at the top of the show. Jimmy McNerney is the name, and racing is the game. He's uh, uh, served in various capacities uh, in the sport. Uh, we even worked in the same department together for a while at at, at River Downs. Uh, he has he hosts a weekly handicapping show inside track at Ellis Park now. Uh, he's the on-air television host and racing analyst at Turfway Park. Uh, so he, he he's done a lot a lot in the world of, of horse racing. Uh, the name. Mc- Nerney around southern Ohio and northern Kentucky is kind of like Bataglia. It seems everywhere you look, <laughs> there is one. So uh, now, now I b- always believe Jenny releases uh, Jenny Reese's press releases, but this one I find hard. It says that while he was at Beulah Park, he wrote the scripts for the Beulah Twins. Come on, those girls were outstanding handicappers, Jimmy. You can't <laughs> tell me that ain't right, is it? They weren't just a pretty face, no. No, uh, absolutely, it is true. Early on, just the, just the initial uh, first year or two that they were there. Then after that, they did their own. But it, that part is true. <laughs> I, 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 I still hard, find that hard to believe after a while because I had them on the regular guy show one time. And they walked in about 15 minutes before the show and looked at me and said, um, do you have a program? No racing form, <laughs> no nothing. Had done no show prep. They just went to the race before. They said, oh, look, you know, I'm sitting on the set with two pretty girls. doesn't matter. Everybody's going to watch the regular guy today and, and not to look at me. Well, uh, Jimmy, there, there's, there's a lot of questions I probably need to be answered as far as your first couple professional experiences in racing. Uh, professional? Well, yeah. Not, not not just kicking around the barn. I mean, where you're no, getting a no, paycheck. My first, uh, actually, Beulah was my first uh first professional job. I started out there um, working in the racing office and, uh, you know, was a place and judge and assistant paddock judge there. Then after about a year and a half, I actually became the assistant race secretary up there and stakes coordinator. So that was my first job. And then that led me to the job down at River uh, where I became stakes coordinator, worked in the office. And that's where we met and worked together. So those are my first two actual uh, legitimate jobs in racing. Um, now, uh, your entrance into being a jockey agent it's 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 a testy position because you just you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, as much as the word about agents spinning trainers, a, a jockey could spin you, a jockey could get hurt. Um, it, it's it, it's kind of a tough job, but you've had an amazing knack over the years of picking up some top top riders. So tell me about your early days and tell me where you're at now. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've had a great career, and I've been fortunate enough to. Uh, like you said, work for some top-notch guys, great individuals, and, and had the support, you know, first and foremost, of, of a lot of top-notch trainers and some guys that were very loyal to me over the years. And I started out by, uh, actually, it was from that um, early days on the backside before I started working in the racing office. Uh, you'll know my first couple of jockeys very well, but um, uh, I basically worked in the office and I've lived with a jockey named, or he wasn't a jockey yet, uh, Rodney Prescott. And, uh, oh, one of the best. Friends. Yeah, greatest guy with a class act, and, and uh, we were just good friends. We lived together, and then when I got a job working the racing office, I moved out and kind of went up there and, and worked there, and um, he started riding while I was working up there and went on down to Tampa and, 
and just couldn't cut it, you know, as a bug rider trying to break in. And in, in the interim, um, there was a turf we used to have a, a fall meet and, and then their holiday meeting. So in that break, after uh, I decided that I was going to, and Rodney was talking about maybe coming back and, and if I would uh, entertain the thought of quitting the racing office and going to work for him, Perry Oots became available. He and his agent parted ways. And my first jockey ever was Perry Oots. Oh, my so, God. The 10th leading like, rider you know, in the world. In the history, yeah, in the history of North American racing. And, and I've looked up to Perry, you know, like you said, spoke on before. My family, we were well-grounded around the northern Kentucky and Ohio area in Perry Oots. I mean, he was, you know, I looked up to him. I idolized him. And the thought of working for him, I was kind of intimidated uh, when I found out I was getting him because I wasn't planning on it. And, and uh, I remember that day I was standing in the racing office when I, uh, after his, his former agent uh, to go back is the one that hooked it up, Timmy Frecking. And so Perry came in that day, and the first words was, he said, heard you got a new jock. And I shook his <laughs> hand, and he, and he went to work, and, and that was it. The rest is history, and we were a lead rider. And then uh, following that, I actually went back to work at Turfway in, in, uh, in that first winter meet. And then when Rodney came back from uh, Tampa, Bueller reopened in February of 2000. And that's when I went up there, and I had Perry and Rodney. We were one-two, and, and the rest is history, history. And like I said, I, I attribute a lot of that not only to growing up on the track, but with that foundation of working in the office and working with them two individuals right off the bat, that put me in a lot of outfits and barns that I, I would just really have to struggle to get into, into without that. Absolutely. Well, that, that, that's, that's a great story, Jimmy. Now, uh, your entrance into the announcer's booth. Take us through that. Well, that is a, it was, it was kind of funny story, long story. I'll try to shorten it up, but I always kind of wanted to do it, didn't know how to get into it, but I became friends with Luke Kreitbach, who brought many guys around. And, uh, you know, I just sit up there and he would, you know, try to coach me a little and teach me. You know, I didn't think I would ever get a job, but like he'd let me color his program and I'd sit in the booth and maybe have a couple adult beverages with him here and there. But uh, I used to, <laughs> who didn't? <laughs> I used to, yeah, I used to call races um, just off the TV, impersonating announcers and just. You know, we sit in the race and I was waiting on draw, I'll be bored, and I would do it, you know, to be funny or, be, you know, sitting at the bar at the track. Well, uh, the first time I got to do it, actually, unfortunately, Luke had already passed away, so he didn't get to, to see me do it. But uh, the announcer at Hoosier Park, Steve Cross, uh, had some car issues getting to the track one night. And I got a phone call from the uh, marketing manager, Tammy Knox, and, and her assistant, Cliff Frazier, at the time. Uh, hey, you're up tonight. I'm like, what? They said, uh, you're announcing tonight. We need you. What do you mean I'm a not? They said, well, Steve can't make it. You know, we, we know you've been an announcer, so you're up. I said, I've never been an announcer. I've never called a race at a county. I've never done anything. I haven't even called into a tape recorder on a roof, you know. And um, they're like, oh, we've heard you. I said, you've heard me at a bar, you know, doing it off the TV. I said, I. So anyway, I was the only guy. So I, I went and um, I went and done it just like that. And, you know, going up around track and listening to the announcers and nothing. Like I said, doing impersonations of some, I uh, – I did okay enough that they had me back and, you know, I filled in a couple more times that year and then the next year. And after bouncing around, filling in a couple of gigs like that, I end up getting uh, my first job down at fairgrounds calling quarter horses. And then that led me to the, you know, back, back home. Luckily, um, Mike, Mike uh, asked me to fill in him for a few times. And then when he decided to hang it up, he recommended me. So, uh, you know, it, it was kind of funny way I got into it and I'm real fortunate. And to be able to, you know, call the two tracks that I grew up at that's you know that's enough for me I, you know we we spent summers at you know when we weren't at River we were at Ellis and then you know Turfway so it, it's kind of cool to call both those two tracks now 
Well, it seems like every time I'm watching a race, either at Indiana Downs or Ellis or Belterra, uh, somebody will say, oh, yeah, Jimmy McNerney's got that guy. Jimmy McNerney's got that guy. Real quick, before we get on to the uh, two-year-old races, what, what is the – how many jockeys can an agent have one time in how many states? Um, well, it just depends on the state. You know, Kentucky, you're allowed to represent two. Um, Ohio, just two. Like Indiana, you can represent um, actually two journeymen and one apprentice. So um, it just varies state to state. Now you can, you know, interact with multiple states if you if you think you can take it on. It's a lot of work, and to be able to do it successfully and, and you know at a high level, I don't think you should. You know, around where we race, there's there's several tracks, so you can kind of keep the same guys and go to them tracks. But early on in the year, I was representing guys at Belterra and Indiana, and uh, with uh, you know with the taking on the announcement game when Alice uh, started, I just had to I had to back off one of those and. <laughs> And I uh, sent Alvin Jimenez, who I had then, up to the East Coast with uh, Wesley Ward, and uh, so I, that that spot opened up for me. But it's a you know it's a, it's a tough go. But if you got good riders and you got good you know support from from the good trainers and ride the best horses, it, it certainly makes it a lot easier. I just like I said, I've been fortunate enough to do it for oh about seventeen years now, and and uh, have been very successful. You know. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I never, I never thought I, I I would get into it, but. Uh, you know, thankfully to Rodney and Perry, they're the one to give me a chance, and that's where it started. Well, right up really quick, quick quickly, I'll allude to Alvin Jimenez because we were talking about him today. Um, Wesley Ward had some kind words for him uh, on TVG uh, because uh, he took off a horse at Saratoga. It was only because he had a travel problem, not because Wesley Ward was going to take him off, which the TVG commentator was kind of going, oh, well, you got Johnny V. So <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. He said, believe me, if I could have had Alvin Jimenez up here, he would have been riding. He says he's one hell of a rider. And I really thought it was great that Wesley Ward defended him right away. So. Uh, he's yeah, a quality cool. guy, you know. I've watched his kids grow up at the in the paddock and stuff. But hey, we get, we got to move forward. You got a big weekend uh, down at, at Ellis Park, and on the twentieth, that's Sunday, right, where the baby races are going to be run. Uh, you're going to have the uh, Ellis Park debutante. Yeah. And the uh, Ellis Park Juvenile uh, read a great release from Jenny today, and hell. Our boy Kenny Peak that started at River Downs <laughs> could uh, could uh, get a daily double. Absolutely, he holds a super super strong hand, and in fact, the uh, the, the probably the morning line favorites in both races are, are the pair that won the both two year old races. He swept those the last day at Churchill, the Bachelor Manor, and the Debutant. Both of those winners are are in this race. You know, Ten City and the Juvenile, and then of course um, in, in the other sunny, race, yes, Sunny, sunny Skies. skies. So he, yeah, so it's a good quality field both races, and like I said Kenny, it, it looks like it's all going to go through Kenny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just to let our uh, listeners know, so both of these horses are undefeated. Um, we'll start with the, the the ladies' division. Sunny Skies. Uh, she's by a horse that I think is just going to really make his mark, and that's Animal Kingdom. Now, uh, all these horses, are pretty much except for one or two, are stretching out to seven furlongs, as you would expect this time of the year with with uh, two year olds. The exception uh, being uh, Kelly's Humor, uh, who won on a race that was taken on off debut, yeah. the grass at Ellis Park and wired them. Now, you've, you do have a lot of horses in here that, uh, you know, uh, not that I'm saying can beat are going to beat Sunny Skies, but A, have competed against her and seem to have a good upside to them. I'd say the main, two main competitors to her would be Wacky Patriot and Upset Brewing. I agree. Um, 
you know, Sunny Skies, I just looked, you know, she's 9 to 5 on the morning line. And like you said, take nothing away from her. It is a good quality race. And I do think the horse you just mentioned, Upset Brewing, is probably the main danger. Now, she, she was second to her back in the debutante at Churchill and had a horrible, nightmarish kind of trip. And uh, she come back at Ellis in her, her subsequent start and just romped. I know it was a maiden special weight, but she did it so impressive and so uh, easily that day. And, and I'm sure it was, a, you know, just a big confidence builder for her. Got a, she has a trip over the track, and, um, and, and Buff Bradley trains her, who's having a, a wonderful meeting down there. So I, I agree. Other than that, Wacky Patriot was third to her in the um, – in, in the race last time, prior to that, she was third in a, a stake at, at uh, Belmont in the Astoria. But so it's a good quality field. Steve Musin sends out a horse named Laudation. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to watch for that race. Uh, Kelly Jumer, like I said, she won on debut of the race. Came off the turf going a mile. She's going to turn back to seven eighths. But uh, she won in style and in hand too, and has been working uh, forwardly for this race as well. When I t- spoke to Brad earlier. All right. As I stated earlier on the show, I happened to be at Keeneland uh, when Ten City. Uh, broke its maiden going four and a half furlongs and I was up in the press box and everybody just looked at each other and said wow I happened to run into Kenny a couple days later I said Kenny what's up with this 10 city you know he got he got this horse for twelve thousand dollars he said John I'm scared it's the fastest horse I've ever had and Kenny's had some good ones he's had some really nice ones and I don't remember what I I read it yesterday I believe and I don't remember what publication, but one of them, somebody had spoke to Kenny and he said this horse is so special and, and said it's probably the best horse he's ever had. Yeah, yeah, that's what he told and, me. Uh, I don't remember where I read it, but I mean, this horse, like I said, seven length winner on debut at, at, at Keeneland, the eye catcher, then come back and uh, had, had a, not the greatest of trips uh, at Churchill and, and uh, in the Bastard Manor. And, you know, this undefeated horse is, uh, is certainly something special. The, uh, the last couple of workouts at, at Keeneland are actually uh, very impressive. And I, I read something else, like Kenny said, that the, they weren't originally pointing for this race, but, you know, he, he's home. He gets to stay in his own stall, can ship close. And, and they were just playing on waiting, but uh, he's coming out of his skin and, and needed to run him. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this race. DAC Attack is another one in there. This one was a $625,000 purchase at uh, Keeneland in September of 16. One as a heavily bet favorite on debut at um, at Churchill. Now, Alvarado, who's written 10 City and every starts, takes them out for this one because of, of the prior commitment. I didn't think, uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't know Kenny was going in because that last minute change, but right. uh, Jack Attack is, is certainly another one in there. Now, he draws the 12 hole, and just like the other race, a horse that I like drew the 12 hole buff source, but I don't think that's going to hinder him at the 7 8 uh, uh, distance. All right. Well, listen, Jimmy, my producer's telling me I got to get out of here, but uh, uh, Jenny won't buy me any beer unless I give you a chance to talk about uh, uh, the bluegrass tournament that's going to take place uh, at Ellis Park this weekend. Can you give us the Cliff Notes version of what's going to be happening up there and how our listeners get in the contest? Yeah, so you can uh, you can come on down or you register online, but it's, uh, it's the 20th and it's a $500 entry fee. 200 of which goes to the prize pool, and 100% of the prize pool will be re- uh, distributed through the uh, winners. The top 10 will pay out. Now, 300 of your entry fee, or excuse me, of your, your, your initial 500, 300 goes into a bankroll, and uh, you get to keep all those winnings at the end of the day. Whatever you win is yours. Plus, like I said, the $200 entry fee goes right into the prize pool, and, uh, and, and, it, and the top four get to go to Vegas, which is I mean, that's without just getting the prize pool in itself, you know, getting your money back, 
you, you get paid and you get to go to Vegas and four seats is a is a wonderful uh, wonderful offer up here. Like I said, uh, courtesy Amway Ellis Park. Uh, I think it's a great turnout to be in. You can come on down. You can register online either at ntr.com or uh, at amwager.com. That's great. Well, Jimmy McNerney, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a long way since we've been to one of Denny Moore's uh, <laughs> chicken, chicken fries. fries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good, good to hear day. your voice. You, you sound really good on mic. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like you're having a good time down there at Ellis. Best wishes to you. I am, John. Thank you for having me. Keep up the good work yourself. I enjoy listening to you. Good talking All to you. All right. Well, thanks a lot. That was Jimmy McNerney. Got to take a quick break because we got to go out to the West Coast with our man from the Blood Horse, Jeremy Balin. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is Jeremy Balin. He covers the West Coast racing scene for the Blood Horse. Uh, he's obviously going to have plenty to cover on Saturday as uh, Arrogate sets to prove out that he is the top horse in training as all the polls are still maintaining. Uh, he's going to need to win the TVG Grade 1000000 million Classic at Del Mar on, on his way there. Uh, of course, uh, Jeremy... Uh, uh, I'm going to say at least a third-generation handicapper, so recall from uh, prior conversations, and uh, was a sports writer and then moved his way in, into the racing game. Jeremy Balin, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always a big weekend down at Del Mar, Pacific Classic weekend, and got some really, really good stakes races, some good maiden races, and really two, two I think, good cards this weekend to, uh, for all the people coming out. Well, uh, we'll get to the individual races in a minute, but the thing is, I am so happy to see these fields. I mean, obviously, uh, the Pacific Classic was pared down a little bit, but how many people want to get in the gate against Arrogate? But the uh, the, the Oaks and the Handicap, we're, t- we're talking at 13 and 14 horse fields. You know, it's just so disheartening to see graded stakes races with a lot of money with a half a dozen horses going to post. Yeah, and and there's a little taste of that on on Sunday. Although I would argue that the the Del Mar Mile, which drew today, which has the likes of that that's on Sunday, has the likes of Vijack and Ohm 
and uh, Midnight Storm and, and just a lot of really good horses. I don't mind if a if the stakes has really good horses and has six races or, or has really good horses and six horses, but these turf races on Saturday are just tremendous. I mean, I did a bit of research, and this is the biggest Del Mar Oaks field ever. Uh, really? There's never been. Yes. Well, the, it's it's pretty. It was pretty easy actually to figure it out once I once I kind of got to the bottom of um, the history of it because for the longest time before Del Mar expanded its turf course or widened its turf course, excuse me, in 2014, they only they only were allowed to have ten horses on there because it just wasn't wide enough to uh, to facilitate 14, 13 horses. So when they widened it in, in part to attract the Breeders' Cup. Um, that enabled them to have a field like this, and I can't imagine a much better betting race than you can in the Del Mar Oaks, where the favorite might be four or five to one. I mean, it, it, it's really <laughs> going to be quite a race. Easily. Well, hey, hey, Jeremy, I have to ask you this, because on a week like this, where you're just encumbered with so many outstanding races, and the eyes of the country are going to be out at Del Mar, like, what's, what's, an, what's a day in the life of Jeremy Balin on a week like this? Well, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we handle a lot of our previews on bloodhorse.com, so I'm making phone calls to trainers and, and kind of getting, getting an idea of how they're feeling about their horses going in. Today I wrote about a lot of the angles for Phil D'Amato, who's going to have with a lot of horses in for in all three turf graded stakes this weekend, and how you know, horses like Big John B and uh, Midnight Storm and Vijack all kind of went on this little dirt excursion for a little while and are now back on the turf. And horses like Big John B and and uh, Midnight Storm are just different horses on the Del Mar turf for, for, uh, for whatever reason, um, horses for the course. So the fact that they're returning to the turf is, is an interesting thing. But then on, on a big weekend like this, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to head down to Del Mar at about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. just takes me a while. I'd rather, rather get down there and, and talk to people in the mornings um, than sit in traffic and show up around race time. So it's going to be a long day and a long weekend, but... Uh, just kind of how I, I go about doing things. Going to probably uh, get get something on uh, St. Patrick's Day, who is American Pharaoh's uh, full brother, running on Sunday, making his debut. Um, and uh, you know, there's always a list of things I have to kind of corner some trainers and get some stories out there uh, when I do go down to Delmar. I, I didn't see all the entries yet. I just pulled down the big races. Uh, was St. Patrick's Day born on March 17th? Oh gosh, I I don't know for sure. I know he's <laughs> I know he's owned by uh, by Coolmore Connections, and um, I'm not sure what the story is behind his name. But I know that the that Baffert has another horse in there um, with the Zayats, which is kind of a whole adds a whole different flavor to that. Uh, and I just looked it up. Actually, he was foaled on uh, February 13th of 2015. So that goes, takes away that angle. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be exciting um, with a horse like that, with those types of uh, bloodlines coming coming out and debuting at Del Mar. Now tell me a little bit more about the Zayats horses. Do they have St. Patrick's Day or... No, they don't. They have, a, uh, they have another horse... Um, 
I can't think of, uh, I'm going to come up with the name eventually. Uh, I believe that Zatter, he's a, he's the horse who's entered. He's drawn outside. He has, uh, I believe he has Rafael Bejarano, but I'm not positive. I believe he's a, he's a midnight loot. If, if that sounds correct. I'm not looking at that, that particular racing form. I got Saturday. Sorry about that. Right okay. I, I threw you a curve. <laughs> But I think I actually think all that that stuff is uh, is probably right. But um, and you know, any time that if, if we'll remember a couple summers ago, or maybe it was last summer, uh, American Pharaoh's full sister, um, American Cleopatra debuted, and there was a highly regarded Baffert in that race at the same time who went off, I believe, at even money or shorter, and still right. hasn't won yet. And yet, American Pharaoh's full sister. One at seven to one in that race, so yeah. I will forever be I will forever be mystified as to how that horse went up at seven to one when all of the California Chrome siblings, all of the Zenyatta babies go off at short prices. But at Del Mar on this day, this horse went off at seven to one. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm gonna really interested to see what the betting is like that day. Um, were you surprised uh, on this very subject to see that California Chrome's full sister went off at nine to one the other day and won? It was actually a really interesting story um, when I talked to Kristen Mulhall about who now has the horse. Uh, she was with Doug O'Neill before uh, Our Sunday Surprise uh, is the name of the filly. It's just that she she didn't really want her to be on grass necessarily. But to, to kind of start her off and to get rid of some of her uh, hard-to-handle tendencies, um, you know, she didn't want her to get dirt in her face, but she wanted to take her back. So that was the original reason they put her on the grass. And then they kind of just kept her there because she had learned to settle and learned to finish a little bit. And it was interesting to really talk with a trainer through a three-race plan. And it eventually paid off. She got a perfect trip had a nice kick at the end and, and won at a, at a nice little price. But uh, it's always nice when things work out. So it was a pleasant conversation afterward uh, to kind of walk through her progression. And, she, you know, she hadn't won it, uh, in, in, a, in her career. And she's the, the first sibling um, to California Chrome to win. So um, it, it, was a, it was definitely an interesting story to kind of look back on how she developed. Yeah, and, and and as you know, years down the road, when uh, when she steps into uh, you know the sales ring, when they say a winning full sister to California Chrome, immediately right. adds about eighty thousand dollars or more to her. You know, it's not like oh, she was a full sister, but her left leg went. 45 degrees the wrong way and uh, was on race. So, you know, yeah, definitely an asses. And then I guess the horse, uh, from everything I've read, um, is a bit of a nervous head case and there's certain things they had to do with it. So, uh, I, you know, uh, I'm just glad to see. I always like when good things happen to, you know, it makes the story a, a little bit better. Well, let's uh, look at the 800 pound gorilla sitting in the corner that we've been ignoring so far for this interview. And that, of course, is the $1 million uh, TVG Pacific Classic Grade 1. It's at the classic distance of a mile and a quarter. And as a writer, you got to have a lot of storylines going into this race. I mean, I have a pretty, pretty good idea about the few directions that this race could go in and how, how I'm going to pursue it. You know, if I have a lead in my head, if Arrogate wins, 
I have a lead in my head. If accelerate wins, I there's kind of I've been working on this as the week has progressed, but. I wish I had a ton of insight as to what happened to Arrogate the last race and to maybe he doesn't like the track, but when, when the trainer and the connections of the horse are similarly befuddled, <laughs> I'm not sure how much insight I can provide as to why the horse just didn't fire maybe for the first time in his life. It's just, uh, I... I would just like to watch the race. I want to see what's going to happen. Um, I'm not sure if I like any horses that provide any value. I mean, Accelerate, there was a horse in there in, in the San Diego Handicap last time out when he freaked and, and ran off and won by eight and a half lengths, who figured to be the speed. And uh, the jockey lost his, his irons. I can't think of the horse's name off the top of my head. I remember it. And, I remember it. Yes. And kind of blew up that race where Accelerate was able to get a lead and just kept on going. So I always kind of think back, and it was the first time Accelerate had blinkers, um, but I always go back and think, like, what would have happened if that horse didn't, or that jockey didn't lose his irons and Accelerate had to be in that position that he always was before kind of stalking and running behind horses and never being able to pass. So that puts a little bit of doubt in my head. Um, going into this race for Accelerate as well as the first time he's going to be going a mile and a quarter. Um, so Collected is the same thing. The other Baffert trainee who's not going to be any bargain in, in the wind pool either. Um, I believe he's 5-2 to two on the morning line. And the question is about him getting a mile and a quarter. He's, he's never, gone, never gone that distance before either. So... Um, I am going to watch this race very much as a fan and as a reporter, very curious as to how this impacts the rest of the year, because it's just a huge race as far as Breeders Cup implications and all kinds of world rankings and all that stuff that say what you want about it. But um, I just can't, I can't wait for the race. I want to see the, the drama building up to it is just tremendous. Well, uh, here's a question I have for you, because I'm, I'm guessing you had a good look at the race. It was a high popper, and that was the grade three precisionist with Collected. I mean, this horse ran a 111 buyer and won by 14 lengths, if my eyes serve me well. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously he was by 15 lengths. <laughs> yeah. And, and so he wasn't pressured to do that. Um, what, what, what's your takeaway from the precisionist and, and collected? I mean, obviously, you know, Baffert, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a million dollar race. He can't deny Speedway stable the chance to win it. Uh, you know, right. they, they, this horse could be irrigate if he's on this amazing upswing. Well, what was Martin that race Garcia. like? Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Martin Garcia, famously at the end of it, very, very jokingly within the earshot of Bob Baffert said, well, I think this horse can get a mile and a quarter, but uh, or something to this effect. I, I think this horse can get a mile and a quarter, but uh, Bob doesn't. Bob doesn't want him to beat Arrogate. <laughs> so <laughs> he was definitely poking his he was poking his boss in that in that situation. But uh, you know, the only race he's really run that extra close to the extra furlong was in the Preakness, which was sloppy in 2016 against you know, Exaggerator and Nyquist and all the three-year-olds of that year. And I just think he's come back to be a completely different horse. He, he doesn't need the lead. 
He doesn't need to be. Uh, he can have the lead. Um, he he's settled behind horses and gone by him before. So uh, I think he's a, a dynamite horse. He hasn't been tested quite at the top level yet as a four year old. I think the fields that he's faced right. um, haven't been as good as Arrogates. But visually, you're right to say that those were eye popping performances. I mean, you see 14 lengths. That, that that's quite a feat, um, you know, in a grade three or in a in a listed stakes or in a maiden special way. It doesn't really matter. Well, you know, I, I just I, the way I see it, there's there's no way this isn't a three horse exacta. Uh, maybe you just box them up, and I'd hate to see Arrogate get beat, but it would certainly help your winning ticket uh, between collected, <laughs> accelerate, and Arrogate. I mean, uh, that move to Blinkers was a great move by John Sadler because this horse picked up a whole different personality in the San Diego handicap. Right, and he was. Sort of that. I mean, I was very much against him in a lot of those races leading up into the into the San Diego handicap because I just kept seeing him sort of run behind horses and not have that punch in the stretch. So maybe going into the lead and going out to the front and having a little bit of luck with the horse not uh, you know not firing and the jockey losing his irons that certainly helped. Uh, I think he can certainly win. I just don't have a full confidence in him. That uh, and, and again, you're not going to get a, a, a bargain of a price on on him. These three horses are all going to be. I can't imagine any of them being over four to one. So uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to endorse a big win wager on on on, uh, on horses I don't see a whole lot of value in in the win pool at least. No, I'll be interested because I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, online or uh, at a, at a race book uh, watching it. And you know, when you go online, you see all these things like. We'll give you five to one on Arrogate if you sign up for a hundred dollars. I got a feeling you're going to see a bunch of that on the different gambling websites, you know. And and it is a gamble, but you know, to be honest, just between you and me and horse lovers, I'd love to see Arrogate uh, bounce back. It's going to make the Breeders' Cup Classic uh, just so much more of an exciting race. Uh, off, uh, you know, Gunrunners win in the Whitney that was so impressive, but. Uh, uh, Jeremy Balin for the Blood Horse. We we got to move on because we got two races <laughs> with two humongous fields. Uh, we'll start uh, with the Delmart handicap, a field of thirteen. You've got the one, two, three finishers of the Eddie Reed coming out, and they all have one hundred plus buyers off their last race. But the interesting thing is this race is at a mile and three eighths on the turf, and only two horses have. One at that distance, and both of those horses won the Eddie Reed in the past. Yeah, well, uh, I think the Delmar handicap for sure. Yeah, Big John B has won this uh, race. I'm sorry. Yes, the Delmar handicap. Ago. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and he's uh, my the story I wrote today was about Phil D'Amato and uh, his horses just taking to, his horses he has in this weekend taking to the Delmar Grass. And I'm looking at a lot of horses here. And I'm looking at some horses who are going to be shorter prices. It's in the post, so you can't argue what he's done across the country this year, but he happens to be 0 for 7 on the Delmar Grass. Or Ashton of Sugar, who kind of fires and runs his race every time, but he's 1 for 5 on the Delmar Grass. And Hunt, who won the Eddie Reed last time out, is another DeMato trainee. 
But there's one horse who's three for three at a mile and three eighths and three for four at Del Mar. And that is going. Big John B. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what to make of his last few races on the dirt. I don't know if you can entirely toss them out. They were against good competition, but he's run his best races arguably in this race, specifically this race and at this distance. So, um, 12 to one, I'm not sure you're going to get 12 to one. I mean, maybe in a big field you will, and people will, will not ignore these last six place finishes in, you know, a race like the gold cup, which I didn't feel like he had a, big chance in and then the Cougar two handicapped on dirt, which he did have a big chance in and just didn't fire. Phil D'Amato said he might've gotten the same arrogate uh, trip that they kind of packed it in at the quarter pole and, and early in the meet with these deeper closers. So, uh, you know, I, I think specifically moving down to Del Mar, the horse for the course angle, maybe it's anecdotal, but it seems like it's more of a, more of a factor in Southern California than in, in other spots. Um, so I think that 12 to one on a horse like him, who's proven when others aren't is, uh, is a fine place to land. Jeremy, I really like you, but man, I hate you because I was going to tell our audience that, Hey, I've got my long shot play of the day and it's big <laughs> John B. So let's just open this case. Great minds think alike. Um, well, I, again, I asked you, you know, we're putting 10 pounds in a five pound bag. That was a field of 13. Let's see what we can do here in about two minutes uh, with a field of 14, uh, very evenly matched, uh, it, it's the Delmar Oaks. O- Oaks, of course, means that they're three-year-old fillies. And so this race is a mile and an eighth, and only three have even tried the distance, and none have won. We're, it, it just makes your handicapping so much more difficult, though. I have to admit that uh, Madam Dance a lot for the Irish bread, uh, the way she won the uh, San Clemente from coming off the pace um, indicates to me, of course, you know those Irish breads can pretty much run all day, um, that, that she's going to be dangerous. The other horse that I, I love, but I just have distance questions about, is uh, Candy Patrino coming off a uh, you know a win over at Ascot. Wesley Ward's one of my favorite guys in racing. Beat a 24-horse field, and I've been watching the videos from Keeneland. This horse has been training lights out. Those are two horses that really kind of drew my attention in this race. But like I said, there's 14 of them, so Jerry Ballant, take it away. Yeah, the uh, I, what I wrote yesterday in the preview for this race was that um, you know that San Clemente handicap, which is a logical prep at Del Mar for the Del Mar Oaks. Uh, a lot of these horses who win that race run in the Del Mar Oaks. I would say most years uh, they do. And it's just really hard to complete that double. Since the turn of the century, one horse uh, in, in 16 years has been able to do it. So uh, Madam Dancelot won the San Clemente last time, and I, I don't think you could be more visually impressive than, than she was. She was like 11 lengths back and last turning for home and just ate everybody up. But Throw in a 13-14 horse field, and uh, that closing kick, maybe it gets stopped at the top of the lane. Maybe she has kind of kind of trouble. So that's what makes these, these races so tough and so exciting is that um, uh, maybe you got to find a horse with a better trip who's not going to have to come from that far out in a, in a mile and an eighth race. Um, but uh, she was kind of goofy. She was on, on a wrong lead a little bit in the San Clemente and, and still kicked away from everybody. 
So I, I think she might still be growing into herself and learning, but uh, uh, I would imagine she might be the favorite. But, uh, you know, I think you got to have a lot of things go your way if you're going to close in a 14-horse field uh, going a mile and an eighth on the turf from like she did in the last time. So Absolutely. Uh, there's just a – go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's just there's a lot of quality horses here that have an upside. It's just that they've all got huge question marks because you're just not sure if they'll get the distance. Right, and I, I think that that watching replays in these specific cases and trusting your eye as to how a horse is performing late in races is the best way that you can you can determine whether these horses can get that little extra distance. And well, Jeremy, I, I totally agree with you on that point, yeah. and I'm getting the I rate now from my <laughs> producer <laughs> who's saying, John, you got to get out or you're going to have dead air. So, Jeremy Balin from the Bud Horse, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I appreciate your insight. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, Matt Widener, I think I got out in time. Anyhow, I want to thank uh, Jimmy McNerney. Wish everybody luck down at Ellis Park. Uh, thank Jeremy Balin. And I uh, want to thank you most of all for listening. Tell your friends if they missed the show, they can get it on podcast. I think it was a fun one. I'm John Engelhart for Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.